535 on this Sunday afternoon as we shift into evening. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. This is your Sunday Spin. And joining me now on the phone is Cook County Commissioner Bridget Gaynor. Commissioner, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I mean, we heard uh, that latest update from Roger in the newscast yep. about uh, small business uh, bankruptcy filings. And, uh, you know, it, it, we hear stories all the time about people that under the first Paycheck Protection Program that filed uh, to, 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 you know, and it's an admirable program, keep employees on the payroll, keep, you know, mm-hmm. keep business going. People couldn't access it. The money ran dry. Now we have a new round of funding going in and still a lot of questions about whether some of those small businesses that applied are still going to be able to access funds. Well, I think it's a great question. You'll notice in this second round of funding, the government actually carved out $60 billion to go through community development finance institutions. It's kind of, they're a little bit like a credit union, closer to the ground. They tend to serve, um, you know, more neighborhood businesses. They reach out especially to low-income and minority communities. But it's only $60 billion of the 677 that went out. And what you saw was a small business was competing head-to-head with, you know, a major franchise who has a bunch of people that are accountants and work the numbers and and it wasn't made clear who it was really designed to help so i think they tried to correct some of it in the next phase of it i think it's interesting that some of these large businesses have been really pressured by the public to return the money pot bellies shamed yeah shamed right internet shaming i mean maybe is maybe we'll find a good use for the internet yet (laughs) maybe we're you know we can't hate facebook completely um but, you know, so they haven't. And the question now is like, okay, $60 billion. I mean, I think about it in terms, as, as you and I have discussed before, I founded the Cook County Land Bank, and we have about 400 small developers. I mean, the good news is there's 300 active projects that these guys are still working right now that's keeping about 1,000 people employed in neighborhoods across Chicago and the Cook County. But, you know, we did a special webinar for them with the SBA, and, you know, these are small developers working out of their house, sometimes even out of a truck and or a living room. And to put them in competition with, you know, a major restaurant chain or a major business, you know, you should have sliced up the money differently. I think this I think this next three hundred million that got signed on Friday, if it lasts this week I'll be surprised. So when you hear people like Treasury Secretary Mnuchin saying mm-hmm there shouldn't necessarily be any more business relief aid coming out. What do you say? So, look, I think the complexity of bringing people back to work cannot be underestimated. I mean, when you think about, just think about a big office building in Chicago. You've got probably 30, 40 different businesses that are in that office building, and everything from white-collar workers who can work from home to people that work in the coffee shop and on the ground floor, security personnel, all of that, to figure out how those companies, this isn't just a government decision. I mean, I appreciate that some of these governors feel under pressure, and so they say, okay, I'm going to, you know, now you all can open. That doesn't mean the businesses aren't going to feel at risk. And and what what are they asking their workforce to do and how much risk they're asking them to take? So the idea that they don't want to create any more business aid, but yet they can't wave a magic wand and make 
you know, millions and millions of people want to go back to work. So I, I don't know if he's got total control over that. Well, I think, it's kind of, I think it's kind of twofold. Is one is about employees necessarily wanting to go back to work, uh, right. as well as customers. Do they really think you flip a switch and you can just? Yeah. I mean, are the customers going to be there? Let alone the employees. Well, think about a hotel. You know, you say, okay, now you can open your hotel. Well, okay, people aren't really traveling for work because their workplace might be saying, like, okay, slow down. Let's figure out how this is going to make sure to keep everyone safe because what is the world of an employer going to look like in the post-COVID universe? Like, is there a different level of workers' comp? Like, how do you prove you, did you get something at work or did you get the disease at work or not at work and what do they have to do? And, I mean, it's an enormous amount of really private sector cooperation and I don't think that can be underestimated and I think it's, I mean, I know the plans are going on now and I know the companies are starting to think about it, but I think it's one thing for the government to shut the economy down. It's a whole nother thing for them to reopen it. So in these webinars and and you're Mm -hmm. working with the Small Business Administration, uh, I mean, you can communicate the information. Do people understand it? Do they they want to go through with the process of, you know, trying to get money that they're not sure they're going to get? Well, yeah. I, well, I will say, so we've done five webinars. So we've done churches churches and nonprofits. We did one for the land bank. We did, um, you know, small business in the neighborhood, chambers, restaurants, oh, the whole shebang. We had over 2,000 people call in to those five different calls over the last two weeks. And then I have turned my county office, um, you know, for the, the people that work in my office that are working from home now, they're all um, – eight to six every day taking calls from people to help them fill this out. I mean, we've had people who like take pictures of documents on their cell phone and send it to us and we've, we've submitted it and they have taken, I mean, I don't even know how many calls, but they're getting an enormous amount of calls. They just get routed to their cell phones. So people are open. The the application in fairness is not that complicated. I mean, you have to pull together the documents. Um, It is pretty straightforward, but um, I think everyone was willing, especially with the PPP money, because if you use it to pay staff, it's, it's basically a grant. Right. So people are definitely willing to go after that. I do know, though, I mean, I, I, I know one friend in particular uh, that uh, runs a not-for-profit and had applied in the first go-round and couldn't even find out from the financial institution whether they had, uh, you know, even received uh, the filing. I mean, I, yeah. I, obviously, there are a lot of hurdles at the start of this, but also, you know, there, there were those questions. And, yes, you've pointed out that there's money set aside for uh, kind of more grassroots businesses. But, you know, when you see these stories about larger banks were basically, you know, front-loading bigger customers because they would make a bigger percentage of processing fees, I'm just wondering if there isn't a high level of skepticism. There, there should be a high level of skepticism because it wasn't just, I mean, look, the banks process their own customers first, partly out of ease. You already know these people. But there's also, you know, there's another issue, which is if you have an outstanding uh, loan to a business, you absolutely want to make sure that business survives, you know. And so there's there's a very much of an incentive for the banks to help their own customers and their bigger customers to whom they have, you know, more outstanding loans and more business. And so the CDFIs aren't really like that. You know, this is like Chicago Community Loan Fund or Axion, 
those guys are operating and doing what I think most people thought this was supposed to do, which is small restaurant business. I mean, all the people that we interact with in our daily life who now have nothing. And so it, it was really, it was just, you know, the starting gun got shot at the same time and not everyone, I don't think was starting, you know, from the same line. And so you saw some people be more successful. I do not think this is over. And I also think that, you know, I know the speaker and others are pushing for money to go to the cities and counties and municipalities, which I get the complexity on the pension stuff and bankruptcy and all that other nonsense. But if money goes to the municipalities, I think there will be another opportunity to fund some of the small business and other small grant programs that both the city and the county have been doing. Well, and and I was going to ask you about that. I mean, what, what is there available locally? Mm -hmm. So both the city and the county have set up really targeted to small business. You know, you have to have less than 50 employees. Um, the county's giving out $20,000. The city's giving out up to 50000 And it is really much, it's, it's geared to the small coffee shop, the corner restaurant, the nail salon, the hairdresser. You know, it, it's everything that really makes neighborhood living worthwhile. You know, you got to keep those guys around or we're going to see a lot of abandoned storefronts over the next year. And, you know, I just look at, you know, my sister and my brother-in-law own farmhouse. So they got four restaurants now, one in Evanston and three in Chicago. And, you know, this took 10 years to build up over the course of time. And if it's, you know, you can only, a small business can only stay afloat for so long. They're still doing a ton of delivery, but, you know, the city and the county have those loans out and I'm hoping that people can take advantage of them and just keep it together until the economy opens up again. We're speaking with Bridget Gaynor, Cook County Commissioner. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson, the Chicago Tribune, here in the Skyline studio. Joining me on the phone is Bridget Gaynor, Cook County Commissioner, Democrat from the North and Northwest Side. We're talking about relief for small businesses. And, uh, Commissioner, before the break, I'm glad you kind of touched on uh, the family connection with restaurants because I've I've started to see some of the chatter, and and I guess it's kind of inevitable when there's issues involving some kind of relief about – aid to specific sectors and you know obviously chicago gotten to be the whole area just such a foodie town and the increasing concerns about you know will restaurants be able to open and it looks like in the phasing of social distancing physical distancing however you want to say it that restaurants and bars are like the last things that'll reopen well, they are. I mean, I, just, I got a text from a friend last night, and he was saying, God, but I love to go out for a drink right now. And and you think, like, the 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 ease of that you used to just, you'd walk into a place, you'd meet someone, sit down at the bar, have a drink, you know, and then go on your way. Like, that was a huge part of life and relationships and your neighborhood and everything. And, you know, you really, A, you realize what you miss, and you realize that those places are as important to the fabric of a, of a neighborhood as a whole bunch of other things, grocery stores and, you know, all of that. And I really, you know, it's, it's tough, especially with the bars. And I see it with, with Nora and Frody at farmhouse, you know, the, the liquor business is a big part of any restaurant's margin. So when you get rid of that, it's hard to do that and take out, you know, I mean, it's, you can't take out the experience of sitting with a friend across, you know, 
at right. the bar and having a conversation. Uh, we've got a, a text uh, that that says, you know, can can mom and pop kind of places qualify for the uh, paycheck protection program? Yes, God, yes, yes. And you know, if you don't mind, I would love to give out the phone number of my was, office because, uh, like sure. I said, it routes to the cell phones. So it's it's three one two six zero three four two one zero and. There's four women that work in my office. One of them answers the phone all the time. It routes to the cell phone. And we will literally, from beginning to end, help you fill this out and walk you through the documentation. We can submit it for you if you don't have a computer or access to the Internet or it's, it's hard. Um, like I said, we, you know, we're taking people's cell phone pictures and uploading them and completing the applications. But also we can help refer you now to a, a, a community development finance institution. Like I said, these smaller local groups because depending on the neighborhood you're in they're really familiar you know with with probably they serve people more mom and pops so we can refer you and we can also help fill out the application so that's again it's 312-603-4210 and i mean we can put that out on on twitter as well i um i really want to encourage people to call because don't be intimidated by thinking oh god it's a government loan program it's going to be you know a big monster it's not and we can help is there an email address as well yes yes um it is uh oh wait let me no it's bridget b-r-i-d-g-e-t at bridgetgainer.com it's easier than the county one it's bridget b-r-i-d-g-e-t at b-r-i-d-g-e-t g-a-i-n-e-r.com you can just email and we'll we'll refer and truly the time to act is now Yes, it's right now because the money just got uh, it just got allocated, and the applications start being accepted tomorrow morning. And you know, there's going to be a run on the bank, no pun intended, and and it will be there'll be a lot of demand. But there are those city and county programs out there as well. If you live in the suburbs, you can apply to the county, and if you live in the city, you can apply to the city program. Uh, I want to kind of shift gears for in the couple of minutes we have remaining, yeah. but. Is what do you see as far as county finances? Well, we're kind of estimating that um, right now, which is hard to tell. But but based on what we see, we're probably going to be down about two hundred million dollars in revenue. And so, just to give people some kind of context, when the president increased the the sales tax last time by a penny, that's that makes four hundred million dollars a year. That penny. So it's about half of that increase is we're thinking will be short because a lot of the county's revenue is very sensitive to the economy. It's it's sales tax. It's bars, restaurants, parking, those types of things. You know, we we only get probably less than twenty percent of our budget from property tax, and that hasn't increased in since nineteen ninety four. So a lot of it is in these other taxes, and so there will be a decrease in revenue, but there'll also be a really increased demand. You know, the hospital system, you know, Cook County Health and Hospitals, they have not been able, just like any other hospital, to perform any of the the surgeries and procedures that actually make the money over the last two months. And they've been very focused, rightfully so, on everything to do with coronavirus. However, um, so it's going to be a decrease in revenue there, but we also think that there will be a big uptake in demand and we end up serving those who have nowhere else to go. So if you don't have insurance, um, you come to county. And 
I think a lot more people are going to find themselves in that position with all of the unemployment that we have now. Further adding to the cost of health care and the yeah. demand on the budget. Exactly. And if we don't figure out as a country with 22 million people who file for unemployment and we know that most people get their health care from their job, there's got to be a, you know, you have to reopen public exchanges either at the state or a federal level because COBRA is largely unaffordable to a lot of people. And there needs to be a better solution for that. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, people are looking at the feds for doing some kind of an offset on, on municipal budgets. Right. Uh, despite what Mitch McConnell is saying. Uh, right. The, but, but the question becomes, you know, some would like to see it as an unencumbered kind of block grant. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's oversight questions. Um, but are do you have any faith that this Washington will be able to move forward with some kind of aid to offset the revenue loss of coronavirus? Well, we saw it after the last financial crisis 10 years ago. So part of the TARP money paid states, counties, and cities for things like teacher salaries, police, fire, road construction. I mean, it really was geared towards how do you fill the payroll? It's almost, it was almost like a payroll protection for local government. So we, we've seen the government do that already, and it kind of got the, the public sector workforce back on its feet to do the really vital functions um, until the revenues were able to catch up. And so that was, that's, you know, there's a precedent for it. It's been done. It's worked in the past. And so I can definitely see something like that happening in the future. I, I, I'm curious, too, about whether yeah. maybe the, the, the idea of, you know, obviously pensions are always a, a, a difficult subject to talk about in the state, but whether, you know, that, that talk of uh, pension relief coming from the feds, yeah. from the Senate president, actually kind of maybe took us off point here of what people are actually looking at. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of a, of a distraction. I think it's, you know, I mean, look, it's a little cynical for someone like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, doesn't necessarily have a lot of affection for labor unions, period, or public sector ones, maybe in particular, to throw that out. I mean, the state of Illinois is not Detroit, and it's not Puerto Rico. We're, we're not going bankrupt. And, you know, that has ramifications that are far more severe than anything that would ever happen from the pensions, just in our ability to borrow money and, and function. So that, that was a total non sequitur. I think the it is, however, more realistic to think that rather than just getting a big block grant from the feds to the state to say, say, you know, spend it however you'd like, I think it might likely come in terms of infrastructure, maybe teachers and salaries and support for education. You know, we've got enormous infrastructure needs. And what I think we may want to think about instead of just handing cash is do you think about a new deal or a works progress, a WPA, where you actually turn those government dollars into assets. They put people to work, but then you're left with something afterwards that's of value, roads, bridges, you know, all of those things. And so um, I can see infrastructure, you know, Trump has been talking about infrastructure bills since the day he arrived, and he actually has a decent relationship with with the trade unions um, that support the building trades. And maybe this is possible because the Democrats want it and he wants it, and it's an election year. 
So maybe that's the way that we see support at the state level. And I mean, kind of what what was an old-fashioned stimulus program, uh, right? From, from the depression was right. That, that was that was the public works, and there's no shortage of uh, infrastructure repairs that need to be done in the state. No shortage of that. And remember, the WPA also supported artists and yep. writers and people on the education front and documenting um, the uh, you know the history of the country and. It's it's not unimaginable that that's the type of thing that we need. We've got one uh, last question here. Um, this is from a texter. Is is there a website uh, that the county has for those uh, county loan programs that you talked about? Absolutely. It's www.cookcountyil.gov, and then you can do backslash corona. So www.cookcounty.gov il.gov backslash corona exactly great and that's all there and um and again send me an email or call the office and we will absolutely gear you to everything and that number again is 312-603-4210 um, and I'll just put one plug on Friday morning. We are doing a virtual town hall again, but this time with um, Senator Durbin and representing a couple of people that are doing really amazing things. And, and you know, there's so much desire to be helpful right now. Um, Kelly O'Donnell, who runs the Lakeview Pantry, Rebecca She with Business Immigration Coalition talking about undocumented people, Rebecca Dar with Wings talking about this really growing issue of domestic violence and what we can do about it. And we will be talking about phase four with the senator, what's going to come down the pike, as well as what can you do right now to assist, um, you know, your community and our neighbors. How can you access that uh, virtual town hall, by the way? So we will, um, we will be posting it on Twitter. And what, what I will do is, um, because it'll have a, like a specific Zoom address, okay. but I'll post it and I'll send it to you guys, and right. um, you can put it out there. And the senator will be talking about phase four, and we'll be talking, um, you know, so people can really figure out. It's not just your money; it's also your time. All right. Well, that's Cook County Commissioner Bridget Gaynor. Uh, thank you so much for the information, and we'll be looking forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. Thanks. Take care, Rick. Bye.